Hey everyone, and welcome to the Clear Cash Podcast. This is Julian, and as always, with me, I have Nick. You always have me. Like, uh, like Captain America and Iron Man, together forever. Captain uh, Captain America and Bucky, thank you very much. Yeah, I guess they have more of a uh, familiar relationship than, than him and Iron Man at this point, right? Who would you rather see kiss? That's the true question. Ooh, well, okay. If we're taking the movie versions of the Avenger characters, I would say, um, I would have to go Bucky in, in, in Captain America. Two twinks. Yeah. Together at last. <laughs> <laughs> well, so does he still count as a twink? If his previous unsuperpowered body is a twink, uh, Captain I think so. I think so. Yeah, because he That's was the, stage the definition now. of a twink in his. He, uh, he was full bottom twink in the first <laughs> before Captain. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm just not into. I'm not into daddies, so I don't want to see Iron Man kiss. No, I don't want to see him at all. <laughs> he should keep the mask on at all times. <laughs> what about like Iron Man and and his uh his AI? Can he kiss the inside of the mask? He's always kissing it. He doesn't stop. <laughs> He only stops to talk. Yeah. He has his mouth constantly pressed against the front of his mask. That's right. why he always sounds short when people yeah. are talking to him while he's flying. It's not because he's trying to concentrate. It's because he's trying to kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I I always didn't understand the direction that they were going with, when, that Iron Man uh, in this Marvel Universe kisses everyone constantly, like Spider-Man mm -hmm. when he teaches him how to, how to swing properly and gives him his new suit. Yeah. Peter? This is your uh, your new suit. I always yeah. envisioned his punctuation, but mm -hmm. it's just a, it's just a thing he's got. No, and that was that was all Downey Jr. too. The power of improvisation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, if Infinity War just came out a couple days ago. I like many, many, many people across the world went and saw it on release day, launch launch night, whatever you mm -hmm. call it now. It's so weird that they, that they do these uh these pre-release movies as early as like 6 6 p.m before the official release day wow yeah they're really just saying fuck it to the yes. release day <laughs> like i remember <laughs> i remember it used to just be the midnight show yeah that was it and in the past few years now it's you can go see these uh early release movies at at six maybe even earlier i saw it at nine that's a normal movie going experience yeah, nothing special about it anymore. Yeah, they might. Well, I don't. They should just have the release day be Thursday at this point. Why even? Was yeah, just just. Uh, I think it's financials or some shit like that. Oh yeah, there's there. I I think there's a draw still to wanting to see a movie before it comes out, right? Even if it's like four, four hours before it comes out. Yeah, and surely they're just trying to get as many people in as possible. What was the last movie you saw uh, at midnight? Ooh, uh, it's surely a Marvel movie, um, but it, it's been a long time because I, I I'm like so over going to movies that late at night. Yeah, it's um, a, it's unpleasant. No, it sucks. And you know what? I, I I do know that the the last movie that I saw at at midnight in a theater was uh, a special showing of a uh, Akira. Okay. At a like a art theater. Very. I remember small. that. That was recently. Yeah, it was a few years ago. Uh, well, <clears throat> a couple years ago. 
Uh, there's a theater in LA called the New Art, and they do midnight movies every Friday night, cult classics, whatever they feel like showing. And they showed uh, Akira one night and uh, had to go see it. Had to go see that movie in theaters, one of my favorite movies. A little bit disappointing, though, because they uh, they ha- they used a uh, uh, like a Blu-ray copy of it and, and screened it, but the i don't know what version like what release of it it was because it was not the original japanese voice actors it was a separate set of japanese voice actors what i didn't even know they did that yeah like it was not the same It, it, it was kind of bizarre um good experience i guess nonetheless seeing akira on a on a big screen with the sound that loud because mm-hmm. that, that that movie's got some killer sound and one of the best soundtracks ever um but yeah, I think that that actually might have been the last movie I went and saw at midnight, and that wasn't even a new release, obviously. Uh, I, I I just am so not interested in going to sit in a in a theater that late at night until two thirty in the morning. I had a good send off for the midnight movie going experience. Mine was a release night of the first Transformers movie, Holy which if shit, you're not aware is ever ago. <laughs> Like a, yeah, and it's like a six-hour movie. Yeah, <laughs> and on top of it, we the the whole theater was packed by the time we got in, so we had to sit in the second row. Oh my god! <laughs> it was the most hilariously unpleasant experience I've ever had in a theater. You just get the concrete neck after like an hour and a half. Yeah, dude, and like those those transformers are so like intricate that when they're all like enmeshed together in combat you can't make sense of what you're looking at from a mile away, let alone up close right. where you can't even parse the whole image. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it uh, it's like, it's like VR sitting that close. It just all yeah, encompasses the, everything and then nothing makes sense. The projection was actually distorting uh, because of the angle we were looking at it from. Fuck. Uh, good yeah. Times. Yeah. Good times, man. I, uh, I, I definitely probably saw some Transformers movies at, at midnight uh, back in, back in the original trilogy. Uh, release time you know i i'm a sucker for like the big dumb action movies and sure I, I i think that many people are as well obviously and uh so i i have no problem with with going to see the, like a a silly dumb action movie um not that, speaking of which yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was about to go down a different road uh but yeah, <laughs> go on yeah. um yeah so i went and saw infinity war um on on pre-launch and uh do you, do you uh, go even go to the movies all that often anymore not really like no, i don't I either go once a year probably yeah i would say under 10 times a year for me five six probably an appropriate number mm-hmm. uh i i do go see all the marvel movies when they come out and i have been since i guess the beginning since the first iron man um do you see them all around launch i i try to uh, there's been a few that I've I've waited a, a few days or a week or so. Like uh, Black Panther, I waited five or six days. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant Man, I saw a week or two after it came out. There's some that I, I get more interested in and, w- and want to go be a part of that like initial buzz. Like obviously, mm-hmm. Infinity War is one of those, and Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, I, I really enjoy those, so I'll, I want to go be a part of that buzz and that uh, excitement. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my experience seeing Infinity War uh, on launch because it, it was truly um, 
a bizarre experience in a lot of ways. Really? And Stand out? It was an experience that reminded me a lot of going to see movies in like the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe late 90s as well. But so I went and saw this bad boy at the Grove, you know, where all the heavy hitters go. That's a good theater. Classic theater, Pacific theaters. Uh, all the all the Hollywood elites show up at the Grove. Did oh. you see any Hollywood elite? <laughs> no, 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 none were there. <laughs> okay. they, they don't go see movies. They have the private showing in their uh, home theaters. Right. All um, alone in their own home theaters. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the uh, yeah, the environment was really good. Showed up there a little early, and uh, lots of people dressed up. Lots of cosplay. Um, we actually ended up in a theater with a a group of cosplayers mm-hmm. uh probably about like 15 or so dressed up as like all of the avengers and uh that that was neat they were they were taking pictures with the kitties and adults who were very enthused that that was happening i bet theater you get into the theater it's packed people are are yelling excited and uh the movie starts and for the first hour of the movie there was tons of movement in the theater it was i couldn't tell what was happening at first i thought people were just getting up to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. but then i i like gauged my surroundings and i realized there was people just kind of standing in the theater at just hanging out just hanging out and i huh. haven't seen that since uh what is it attack of the clones star wars attack of the clones you know? oh shit right like um those those <clears throat> uh prequel movies were such a big deal that they would pack those theaters out and this was before reserve seating, so you would get oversold theaters where right. you would end up uh, maybe with a ticket, but there's no seats. And that actually happened to me, and I was just a, a young boy, a baby boy, when mm-hmm. Attack, of the, Attack of the Clones came out. And uh, we ended up uh, sitting on the stairs in the theater, which shouldn't have been allowed, but no. they oversold us. We had the tickets, and we were told by the uh, security and ushers, hey, you know what? sit on the sit on the stairs you can you can block the exit it's okay that was before there were fires too before there were fires before there's shootings in the theaters um yeah no fire existed at that time actually you're right uh so this didn't quite have that level of like craziness where they were allowing it because what what happened what ended up happening in this first hour of the movie uh was that people would come into the theater and try to like stand to the sides and the ushers would come in and tell them to leave. But then I noticed that the ushers were also coming into the uh, seating and and removing people. Oh. Uh, and and bringing other people in and and seating them there. And huh. I, I talked about this after with with the person I saw the movie with, trying to figure out what exactly was happening. Like if people were coming in because everything's reserved now. Yeah. And so it, it seemed like people were coming in without the right tickets and just sitting in a seat and hoping no one showed up, which is not going to be the case. Right. Um, it seemed like that was what was happening. So the ushers kept coming in and like talking with people in, in different areas of the theater and like showing tickets back and forth and like removing people and bringing new people in. And this happened for the first hour of the movie. And this is a long movie. It's two hours and 40 minutes long. Uh, but it was continuous for the first hour. So. Kind of Jesus. Dis- kind of disruptive and, and, yeah. and weird. Like, I, I, you never really see that anymore because of reserve seating. There was some level of excitement enough to warrant people wanting to try to see this movie 
I don't know, multiple times or for free. Uh, it was really weird. I sat next to a woman who openly was weeping the entire movie. What? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, dude. It was... I know she, when she sat down next to me, she had a box of Kleenex with her. Oh, whoa. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was prepared for this response. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't want to get into too much spoilers here. I'm going to try to keep it spoiler-free as possible. Okay. But there are moments in this movie that if you're uh, attached to characters, you're going to have a, a, an emotional response to this movie. Did you have an emotional response? Uh, I got a boner, so. <laughs> Come on. Um, no, I mean, no, I, I'm not that invested in any of the characters. Mm-hmm. I don't really, like, care all that much if, if they come and go. Right. I'm just in it for the, the, uh, the, the what, what they the can chills. do with the, yeah, exactly. I want to see what the big action boys. And mm-hmm. I am a comic book fan, as, as are you. Yeah. And uh, this stuff is exciting. I guess what this movie made me realize is that I haven't been part of a fandom or haven't existed in in a fandom or that close to it um mm-hmm. ever and i know mm-hmm. that there's been really really big ones like harry potter uh twilight um those star are star wars star wars sure um and, and i guess that you know this the marvel franchise as it's existed for the last 10 years has cultured that has cultivated that and that there are kids who maybe started watching these movies when they were 15 and are now mm-hmm. 25 now or in their early 20s and have seen these characters and have grown attached to them and do have this like develop like emotionally developed response. And so, yeah, there, there was this uh, woman next to me who was very emotionally affected by this movie. Right. This is obviously based off of the original Infinity War uh, s- storyline. In, mm-hmm. I think, what was that, the early 90s that that came out or something? 92. 92. Something like Civil War, for example. When they did Civil War in Marvel Comics, they mm-hmm. had the major through line, right, which is this, just this, the run of Civil War. Right. And then aside from that, they bring all the other current books in into the fold. Uh, mm-hmm. So they'll have, like, Spider-Man uh, taglines Civil War. And then it'll be, like, whatever Spider-Man's up to during the Civil War. And they have Captain America's own Civil War uh book that's running so they could have the major third line and then up to like 10 or 12 other books continuous that are fed into the major plot of the the story of civil war uh so now like civil war happened what like i don't know over 10 years ago uh Mm -hmm. in the comics but if you want to if you want to completely understand that story to like the utmost, you have to get all these other books which you can do in graphic novel format but it's a lot it's tons tons of it's a lot it's it's a lot, um, and the same goes for stuff in DC like Blackest Night. You got to read so much goddamn Green Lantern shit to understand that. Yeah, always. So, what was the uh, what was the last Marvel movie you saw? Last one I saw was uh, Doctor Strange, and I only made it about halfway through, and then I just, I just wasn't feeling it, yeah. so I stopped it. I don't normally stop movies. I think I can count on two hands the movies that I've given up on before. I've wow. always watched movies all the way through. Doctor Strange but, fits in that. Yeah. Doctor Strange was the the Marvel formula is very palpable but at that point in the movie timeline. Yeah. And I was I was 
I was feeling what that movie was doing because I'd felt it many times before. So I just dropped it. So, so you're basically at this point pretty burnt on. I am. Movies. I am burnt. Yeah. And yeah. Was Doctor Strange when that when that really set in, or was it? Did you feel that coming on before? No, I felt that way for a while. Uh, I haven't really cared about the the Marvel movies in a long time, but I keep trying because they're not bad. They're not bad movies. They're well made and well acted, but they don't. Once they're done, I don't feel anything about them, (laughs) (laughs) and I forget what happened. Right. So they're like roller coasters, I guess. Where you, you ride them and then you get off and then you have the memory of feeling something, but it's fleeting. Yeah, it's very fleeting. Yeah. So you were describing the experience of going to the movie and seeing these people who were having very intense reactions to the movie that perhaps you didn't relate to, um, that I know I personally don't relate to. And, uh, I think what you're describing is an experience that they are, that those people are expecting to be able to participate in because of the specific time and place of that particular viewing. You know, it's the first showing of the movie possible. They had, you had to have bought, you bought your ticket months in advance. Yeah. Right. Everybody did. Um, And fandoms do have these, hyper-involved, um, deeply invested sects that, <clears throat> that can dominate the conversation around those subjects. And maybe you were, you very likely were an outlier mm-hmm. in that audience. And, you know, I laughed about the woman who was openly weeping the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That's absurd to me, but um, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not of that sect of, Fan. So if I went last night and saw, or Thursday night and saw that movie and was like contemptful for the person next to me sobbing the whole time, I would be in the wrong. Like those people are there to have that experience. And what am I doing there if I don't care this much? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to to expose yourself to sects of fandoms that are this intense, um, especially when you don't feel anything for the subject. Mm-hmm. But they exist everywhere, and yeah. uh, this is this is probably the most besides Star Wars. This is probably the most apparent sect of that fandom um, in pop- popular culture. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, this is we're I mean, we're actually nearing the end of this phase of mm-hmm. of Marvel movies. So this is the first part of in, of the Infinity War, and the second part is coming out next year, and after that. Uh, we've been led to believe that a lot of these characters are going to transition away, um, mm-hmm. much like how they would do a reset in comics, something like the New 52 right. um, or the House of M in Marvel, which uh, was an event where Scarlet Witch uh, erased all of the mutants in X-Men. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is interesting. We're, we're talking about... Um, we're talking about cataclysmic events in comics now. Yes. And um, there have been, uh, you know, probably around 10 for each major publishing house uh, of these events that go about resetting the universe 
for new readers, or in this case, new viewers, to jump in without having to worry about the baggage of that book or character's history. Yeah. And I should say that Infinity War starts off directly where Thor Ragnarok left off, like Mm -hmm. like scene by to scene. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much uh, required that you have seen Thor Ragnarok to understand what is even happening at the beginning of Infinity War. But go on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so the we are we're coming to the end of one of those arcs, one of those crisis arcs in the DC terminology. So, like in the eighties, there was an author named Marv Wolfman who uh, wrote a number. He was like the Jeff Johns of DC at the time, Mm -hmm. and um, he wrote a bunch of books. And he got a letter from a fan who said, "Hey." why didn't this character recognize Green Lantern? I don't understand. Like, why they've encountered Green Lantern before. And he realized that this was because this was a new version of Green Lantern. This was a different Green Lantern than the one that that character had previously interacted with. So there was this backstory to why this Green Lantern was not the same as this other Green Lantern that this fan didn't understand. Because that kind of knowledge is really only uh, apparent to hardcore fans who read every fucking book and have for a decade. Right. Um, so he saw this as a problem for the comics industry. And he approached DC and said, why don't we have this event where we eliminate basically the history of these characters that we're not using anymore and simplify the universe in a way that makes approaching these books more accessible. Um, and DC agreed to it. And the event was called uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And uh, it involved uh, Deadside, who is a or dark side i can't dark remember the side. name of the character yeah. dark side um who is basically like a, a thanos type character in dc coming and consuming these universes that uh hold parallel versions of other characters so like old superman or um communist superman communist superman or uh, or bury that version of flash versus this other version of flash and uh and he does he he kills a bunch of versions of characters and the whole uh, publishing art or the whole, the whole publishing house starts over with a smaller stable of characters. And um, it was very exciting at the time for readers. It's nothing like this had really been done before. Um, And it involved all of the published books at the time. They were all, they were all written into the story. So you would be reading green lantern and they'd be seeding it with uh, like dark side is up to some shit. You should check out the Crisis on Infinite Earth, Earth's arc, yeah. and um, and it was very successful. And then DC has since implemented that Crisis line uh, a couple of times in the publishing history since to sim- resimplify the universe over and over again. Most recently, culminating in New Fifty Two, right? Which um, was Fifty Two new books of various characters. Batman got a few. Mm-hmm. Superman got a few. Uh, and then it was kind of like a test to see what worked and what didn't. And they started yeah. eliminating the ones that didn't work. Like they Sadly, the best one, my favorite that came out of New 52 was Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Right. It was fucking fantastic. And that only got 12 issues. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It speaks to the popularity of certain characters and the likelihood of readers giving new characters new chances. But um, But anyway, so as DC continued to do these crises events, they became less and less popular. Um, 
the Infinite Crisis event pioneered, I think, led by Jeff Johns, was very unpopular. It was not, I read it, it was not successful, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It was hard to follow. Right. Um, Final Crisis, led by Grant Morrison, um, historically very skilled uh, author, um, also a huge mess, apparently. Yeah, it was, it was a big misstep. I, I really didn't like Final Crisis. He he led that with Batman, which was unusual because typically these are led by um, galaxial characters like Green Lantern. Um, Batman gets involved in some time shit, and then that involves the galaxial characters in the end, and it, it, a big mess. And uh, readers became really like disenfranchised with these huge events. They would often bog down the books that they liked reading um, with these things that they don't care about. Uh, trying to drag them into these bigger events. Uh, and some of these books benefit from smaller scope. Um, yeah, for sure. Hmm. So we're reaching the end of the first event in the Marvel Universe in the movie series. And uh, I wonder if fans are going to be interested in following the next arc in the way that this one, in the way that they have this one, because this one has been massively, exponentially more successful with every movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, you know obviously it's a totally different medium. It's these right. bits of media in two-hour form, and uh, it doesn't require really that you that you jump all over the place with these other characters. I mean, the the this Marvel timeline has been has been linear in a way that's accessible. You just have to go see the movies or or watch them, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we do know. I mean that. That there's that's what they're setting up for is that this this movie next year is going to erase some sort of lineage and it's we do know that there's they're they're uh signed up for a ton of other marvel movies with different marvel characters mm-hmm. um in in the next few years that's going to set off that's new you know what i imagine is going to happen is that they'll do something where they rework the avengers into uh, the other some of the other characters that have been introduced recently, like mm-hmm. Iron Man's gonna go. I think Captain America might go. Uh, Black Widow might go. And I think that you know what they've done in Marvel Comics many many times is rework the Avengers of who who's on the roster. And I right. think the new Avengers will be something like Spider Man, Black Panther, Miss um, Marvel, who is getting her own movie this year, I think, or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I imagine that they'll do something like that, and then it's just going to set off another round of these hyper-successful uh, Marvel movies. So they have two. There are two unique elements. Well, one unique element really, and that's that actors uh, age and, and grow tired of roles. And I know that um, Chris Evans has expressed a disinterest in continuing to play Captain America. I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. is just fucking getting too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just going to keep happening, and. Uh, they've recast Spider-Man several times and it's been basically fine. He's always Peter Parker um, and everybody just accept that, accepts that. Um, and I wonder if they're going to try to do that with other existing characters, just recast them and they are the exact same character with the same history or if they're going to start reaching into alternate timelines or alternate characters playing, alternate people performing the roles of those characters um like there's a new young female tony stark for example in comic lineage there is uh miles uh a young uh black 
uh, Hispanic Spider-Man. Um, people like that who are performing those hero roles but are different people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could totally see them aiming that way. I don't know why they wouldn't be thinking that way. I mean, I think they've, they've been trying to do a Miles Morales Spider-Man thing for a while. And I think mm -hmm. that they have uh, this new animated Sony Spider-Man movie or series coming out soon that is Miles Morales. I know that they allude to Miles Morales being in... I, I don't know this, actually, but I, I believe they allude to Miles Morales being in the next Spider-Man video game. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a big Spider-Man game coming out at the end of this year. It looks right. pretty damn good. Is, um, he, is, he, is that who it is? Is, do you know, is Miles Morales that Spider-Man? I can't remember what I was reading. Uh, there was this allusion to the, to the fact that Miles Morales was going to be like informing somebody who uh, you're either playing as or is the star of the show or movie. I oh, can't remember well, what doesn't the name that it was. kind of happen in... Oh, maybe well, because in Spider-Man: Homecoming, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Parker has there's a small scene where he meets with Donald Glover, mm -hmm. and there was talk that Donald Glover was originally going to be in a Spider-Man movie where he played Miles Morales. So maybe oh that's wow, th that connection is okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, like they've been. I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder if they're going to reach into the infinite universe notion, the multiverse, or if they're just going to recast these people. They can pretty much do whatever the fuck they want because right. the Infinity Gauntlet can literally do anything. It has full control over reality. Okay. Uh, so they can erase everything. They can create new things and just blame it on the Infinity Gauntlet. It's an, their easy tool to reshape their entire universe. I wanted to bring up is I, I read this article uh, the other day about some comments that uh, James Cameron made. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he said this in an interview uh, with the Hollywood Reporter, I think, um, or Entertainment Weekly or some shit. He said, uh, I'm hoping we're going to start getting Avenger fatigue. Not that I don't love the movies. It's just, come on, guys, there are other stories to tell besides, you know, hypogonadal males without families doing death-defying things for two hours and wrecking cities in the process. So James Cameron laid the groundwork for the modern action movie. Right, director Terminator. of Terminator, Terminator Two, yes, Aliens, very influential action director, uh, and those movies stand up. I watched them recently; they're mm. just as good now as they ever were. Um, I, I can see that there is like a real critique to be made for the stories of these characters. It's why I fell off the Doctor Strange movie. It's right. no different than the other movies story-wise um like that's a specific reason i stopped watching it is because it's the exact same fucking story as these other as these other superhero origin stories I just, the, I, the phrasing's unfortunate yeah it's just it's weird i mean to to even to say hypogonadal is weird aliens and terminator and terminator 2 have a female lead mm -hmm. yeah and i i mean his whole his his beef seems to be that he's going to see these marvel movies and there's not enough because well hypogonadal essentially means having no balls no balls like genitals that don't function right so i don't does that mean he he actually thinks that like they that, like there's no sexual tension or or that the that there's they're not like pushing the limit like he say okay this movie has no balls they're not doing anything different 
Okay, so one of the strongest things of James Cam- look, I'm James Cameron is a fucking amazing director, mm-hmm. first and foremost. One of the and he's a great storyteller. And one of the strongest things of his action movies is that it doesn't dwell on they don't dwell on sexual attention. They don't dwell on the female lead or or supporting character being drawn to the male lead, which is what 90% of action movies inevitably fall for. It's it's a trap and his movies shirk that notion entirely like ripley is straight up asexual in in those movies she's uh like she has an energy but she's not attracted to anybody there's no storytelling around her attraction to someone and i think that that's a a strong facet of his films is that they spend more time with uh other things i i think that that is a conscious effort that he made to, mm-hmm. to not make those movies about uh, women being attracted to men. Um, and I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why he's making this critique. It just flies in the face of the values that he seems to hold high for his movies. Yeah. In my opinion. It makes sense. I mean, and I, th- I think well, he hasn't directed or done anything since Avatar, right? He's probably, no, and Avatar did have like a super like that was strictly about that that male lead falling for the female character. Yeah. <laughs> so and her being attracted to him too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe he's falling for his own maybe he's falling for the traps that he used to not fall for any longer. Maybe he likes those traps now. But uh maybe maybe hypogonadal means that these characters are are weak to him, like emotionally weak. Maybe he's looking at like Spider-Man 2 or something archaic like that and seeing these characters crying and thinking, Oh, this is so why, why is he crying? Why is he being such a pussy about it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Cause again, we're talking about uh, a a director who successfully portrayed like uh, men panicking in space, like aliens. One of the strongest parts of aliens is the guys freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If they didn't freak out, I wouldn't care about those characters. <laughs> um, I, I think this fight, I think this just doesn't make any sense with with what he purports to hold dear to storytelling. Mm-hmm. What I, what what is with Avatar World, dude? Okay, so what what we don't really um, give Avatar credit for is the fact that it was in fact a massive, huge fucking blockbuster. Oh, like it was yeah, one of it was the biggest movie of all fucking time. Right, but we look back at it and think, "What a dumb piece of shit!" <laughs> and you, you can't do that. That movie broke records. Yeah, and so did Titanic. Like James Cameron is the most successful director of all time by some measures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it's easy to look back on Avatar and be like, "That's that stupid movie," <laughs> and and think like, "Oh, it's so it's so trite and so simple, and there's nothing there." But obviously, there's something there. Like. People give a fuck. Well, they did. They I don't did. know if they still do. Yeah. And we do. There are uh, two more Avatar movies coming out. It's going to be a trilogy, I think. And then with the with the possibility of expansion to other things. But knowing that they're building Avatar World right now is it's just like you miss the fucking boat. I mean, that movie was By in theater. Decade. Yeah. And they even kept that movie in, in theaters for over a year and then had re-releases of it. They really sucked that yeah. thing dry. Yeah, I okay, so Avatar was massively massively successful. Nobody can deny that, right? Um 
but 10 years is a long time man i don't know that i don't know that the sequels are going to i think that i think that the sequels are going to matter in that people are going to look to them and wonder what the fuck is this uh, what how, how is this getting made there must be something to this right i know i'm going to think that uh, I'm going to see the sequel to Avatar because I have to know what is this. And also, people are drawn to spectacle. These Marvel movies are enormously expensive uh, feats of spectacle. Um, and whether or not I give a shit about the stories, I still see them because they're cool looking. Like, Doctor Strange was amazing looking. Yeah. Um, probably the most amazing looking Marvel movie I've ever seen. I, I yeah the kaleidoscopic effects in that movie were, were really good if i yeah. was if i was um into doing hallucinogenics and seeing movies that had fucking gnarly effects i would be watching that movie back to back absolutely cool shit going on um so yeah i'm i'm gonna see avatar at least because it's going to be spectacular like i have no doubt that it'll be interesting looking would you go see it in 3d uh yeah Probably. I mean, like knowing James Cameron, another thing about James Cameron is he takes the, he takes technical, technical stuff seriously. He, oh, yeah. he fucking made going to see 3d movies cool again. Yeah. He, Avatar. he films in 3d. If he's going to do 3d, he, he will film in 3d. If he is going to make a movie, uh, special effects in 3d, he's going to render them with the intention of the viewer seeing them in 3d only. He's not going to just after the fact, convert them into 3d. Um, you know yeah, what's the, kind of the, fucked actually I'm what? just thinking about this now is that I, I went and saw Avatar in 3D and in regular D and seeing it in 3D still to this day is the best movie I've ever seen in, in 3D in the theaters I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that, that for a second uh, but yeah I've seen I saw on the 3D wave that, that was riding high for a while I, I would see movies in 3D mm-hmm but none of them could ever touch Avatar in 3D, like it's on its initial release. I don't think I don't think anyone fucking was seeing that movie in not 3D because that was the thing no. to do. You had to go yeah. see it in 3D. It was a, it was a it was an experience that transcended movie going. It was like going on a, a ride. It was like going to Universal yeah. Studios and getting on those simulator rides, you know, that shake you around. Totally, so you didn't get you didn't get shook around. You just had blue aliens in your face and maybe he'll do maybe he'll do a 40 this time around the, they have the 40 theaters yeah he can maybe do he'll that. Pioneer that if he cared he could make it happen what he'll do That's is the... he'll go into screenings of it and, and come up behind people and shake their seats <laughs> and go <laughs> blowing them blowing yeah um yeah he's he's a pioneer of technology um if he wants to if he wants to have something done he'll do it the best way possible and I'm I'm interested in exploring that with with Mr. Jimmy, Jimmy C. C. Yeah, I bet you uh, I bet you he saw Infinity War a few times already and is already going to make some comments about it. Probably. That. Yeah, I just just say this, make this critique differently because the critique is valuable. Like this critique, uh, there's merit to it. Just the phrasing sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else? All right. Do you want to do? Uh, we'll talk about the Labo for a second. Sure. All right. So let's talk about the uh, Nintendo Labo that came out um, for 
20 right so it came out oh yeah baby oh yeah nothing better oh, to yeah. give stoners and a bunch of cardboard and tell them to make a robot out Just of it drop a bunch of acid stuff some shrooms in your mouth don't care where they come from labo. that's what i do on 420 labo baby <laughs> it's that labo lifestyle uh so i uh i followed it on twitter for a bit and uh was seeing what people were doing you know mm -hmm. and seeing because obviously you buy these kits they're 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 pre pre-designed with with the expectation that you're going to build what comes out of the box right so you have the right. the piano you have the uh the where you can turn your little uh you turn your join joy cons into rc cars essentially mm -hmm. using their uh uh, the vibration in the Joy-Con, which is, I, I, I didn't think that was going to work. Like, ima like imagining how controllers vibrate right now, and and having any sort of control. I guess it, it works though. I've seen it in action. Yeah. Um, and people, I as expected, have been making some pretty silly things with their Labo kits. Uh, yeah. And cool things like you sent me a, a video of someone making crazy ass beats on their. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a cover of a Splatoon 2 song. Yeah. It was pretty, yeah, it was fucking jamming, dude. Yeah, I love that. You know, and they, I, Switch actually just had a piece of uh, software come out uh, that's interesting. It's it's made by, um, I'm trying to remember the name. It's made by Korg. Korg. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's it called? Korg. I don't know the name of the Korg software, something. but. Korg is a is a synthesizer yeah, yeah. producer, right? I, I watched the trailer for it. I, I want to see it up close and and mess around with it. It's essentially like uh, a synthesizer, music maker, beat maker for your, your Switch. It's like forty bucks or something. Um, can't Maybe export any. Yes, too. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, people are using the the piano to make some some pretty cool stuff. Uh, the best one I've seen so far is someone took the RC cars and put knives on them and we're having knife fights. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it seems to be that there's a, a lot more uh, to do than just build the kits for those who are uh, creative. Yeah. I, I referred to this uh, concept as a, as a walled garden initially um, because I was under the impression that you would be given the hardware, the cardboard, uh, and you'd be given the matching software and then that would be it. You would build the thing and then you would use the appropriate software for that thing. Um, but they've also included rudimentary programming uh, sandbox, uh, a rudimentary programming sandbox for you to do whatever you want in. And uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was coming with that. And that's pretty exciting that they've allowed for that kind of open-ended development. I, I like, I, I doubt it's very powerful, Um given the nature of the product but not still not a critique like that's still rad yeah totally and uh what goes with that is we also just had in the past couple weeks uh the switch is now fully cracked and right. ready for right. homebrew yeah that's uh man nintendo just can't catch a break on the on the cracks dude oh no, dude it, it within a year everything that they release is fully homebrewed out and so the I, thing about nintendo is they've had ever since the wii it's been not too difficult to crack your hardware and then just do and play whatever you want on on your hardware 
I turned my Wii into a DVD player. It fucking sucked. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. I did. Yeah, I put emulators on my Wii. Yes. Among other things. And uh, what I will say is this. Doing these things on Nintendo consoles, it's not fun. It's it's hard to keep up with uh, if you want full support for the things that you want to do. Um, and I don't think that it's a, within the scope of most consumers to do this. Um, additionally, Nintendo makes, like Apple, most of its money on hardware sales. So while the Wii was some of the m- most manipulable hardware that I've bought from a console maker in years, uh, it was also just enormously successful. One of the, like I think it was the most successful console of all time in terms of hardware sales. So these things they don't have that much of an impact on Nintendo proper. Uh, it, you know it's concerning to be a developer and see Nintendo hardware just like open for anybody. Yeah. Um, but I'm not concerned about Nintendo, which which I feel like if you examine the facts as they are that their hardware was cracked within a year of release. Um, that sucks, but I don't think that this is going to have a material impact on them. No, not at all. I mean, you got to buy the fucking Switch in the first place to crack it. Right. And that, the Switch sales at a year on are mind-blowing, dude. Crazy. Yeah, Nintendo keeps fucking pulling these rabbits out of its hat, and nobody expects them to do that. Uh, the Wii U, such a massive failure that people were concerned, but Nintendo's war chest from the Nintendo Wii was so massive that they could just afford a complete wash of yeah. the next console and still and they, be in they did. Yeah, I mean, they did. If you look at it, I mean, the Wii U is pretty much Switch Mark One. Yeah, they, they basically prototyped in public. Yeah. They could afford to do that. That's Crazy. impressive. Crazy. Yeah, but uh, I would I would I'd be pretty bummed if I was a, if I was a developer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't often get to say goodbye. I often end accidentally on a on a pithy critique of something. Well, that's how I like just... to end things because I like people to I like I like the episode to end when you have de- de- like delivered a, the final blow. <laughs> oh man, I don't want to kill things all the time. <laughs> yes. You know what? I love you. I love. I love everybody. I'm happy. Say, you Bye-bye. love the Switch. I love the Switch. I love Jimmy C. <laughs> love in Jimmy spite C. of his, in spite of his, uh, his uh, acidity, and uh, and I love Marvel in spite of everything they do. All right, we'll end on love this time. <laughs>